You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. All right, we've been talking for several weeks on what? Warfare. Warfare, all right. Um, quick review in way of warfare, we talked about that um, one of the, uh, actually there's like four points, we brought up the fourth one last week, quick review. Um, one of the major parts of doing warfare is what? Just what? Number one, knowing we are in a war. If we don't know we're in a war, we're probably not going to do real good. <laughs> if we go out there for our Sunday afternoon stroll and they're shooting guns at us, you're probably in trouble. So we got to pay attention. Number the One of the biggest parts of warfare is just even recognizing you're in a war. Second part is to recognize that we fight from a place of victory, not in order to get victory. The third major part is the understanding of the word biblical patience and understanding what that means, the difference between kind of our modern understanding of being patient and what a biblical understanding is. Last week we looked at another part and we looked at the that fact we talked started beginning to talk about who are we in Christ, what is our identity, and how does that have something to do with warfare, is knowing who I am in Jesus. And so we're going to really delve a little bit deeper in that tonight. But if you'll remember in the book of 1 John, John, the Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 John, makes this statement, the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy, everybody say destroy, destroy. annihilate, to wipe them out, to destroy. He didn't come to, you know, to high five the enemy. He didn't come just to, you know, cozy up to him and be a good buddy. He came literally, Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the enemy. Part of that is, and it's teaching, and at some point we're going to get back into that, is this whole idea of the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he talked about the kingdom, those were, those were fighting words. When Jesus said, when this happens, the kingdom of God has come upon you. When he healed somebody, the kingdom of God has come upon you. When he delivered somebody from a demon, he said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And so, the, in other words, Satan had his kingdom, and Jesus came to get it back. Okay, and we're going to really dig into that uh, uh, more tonight. But basically, uh, John, an in inspiration of spirit, said Jesus, the Son of God came to destroy. And then Jesus makes this statement. We dug into this last week. But then Jesus says the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And remember last week we got all into the word saved, and we figured the word saved, or learned that the word saved, literally the Greek word is the word Sozo, S-O-Z-O is the, the English, um, I guess, transliteration of that. What's the English? Anyway, sozo is how you pronounce the Greek word literally. And it, we found out that it can be interpreted or be translated basically three different ways. One is to save, right? And we're, we're, the scripture talks about if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That's sozo. Another way the word can be used is how? Somebody tell me. Healed. There's several passages in the scripture where it talks about he healed someone. It's literally the same word. It says sozo. He healed them. And another way he's what? Delivered. Man, y'all are so sharp. Or is that up there? Look at there. It ain't even up there. Y'all, man, y'all are just good tonight. And, uh, but that's the that's the 
basically the interpretation, and we began to look at, you know, what does that mean? So basically this, bottom line is, is one of the primary ways that Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy was to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. You follow me? He came to destroy them. One of the ways he destroyed the works of the enemy was to come and to take back, to seek and to save that which was was lost. And so we, we looked at this whole idea of saved. And tonight I want us to really dig more into what was lost. If we if 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 we're going to understand that Jesus came to take that, then what did we actually lose? What was lost that Jesus came to take back? So we're going to start in the book of Genesis tonight. We're going to read the whole Bible. So, <laughs> so hopefully we'll be done before the Brazilian church gets here. We're going to have to read fast, I guess, if we're going to read the whole book. <laughs> Genesis 1, 26 says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over. He, make, he makes it say, let's make man, woman's included in that, make mankind in our image for them to be able to, or so that they can rule, in other words, have authority, have dominion, so they can rule over the fish of the sea, that means we can go fishing rock and catch fish. Over the birds of the sky, over livestock, and over all the wild animals. I get to go hunting so we can rule over them. Let me say that in there somewhere. It doesn't. Well, that's how I interpreted it. it was after the fall. That's right. After the fall, we got to do that. I mean, Jesus told Peter to rise, kill, and eat. I mean, there's, right? There's a biblical reason. Yeah. I, amen. That's right. Amen. And over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. This is important. I'm pay, I want you to pay attention. We were created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Here's your purpose. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, rule over it. You have authority. So God's saying, I've made man and I've given them authority. I'm giving you power to subdue and to rule over the earth. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. And over every living creature that moves on the earth. So basically, we were originally, in this passage, you can see we were originally created, and through other passages in Genesis, there's three things I want us to look at. We were created to have relationship with God, and we were created to have dominion, to rule, to have authority over all the planet, and, and we were created to have life, to, have, to, to, to walk in life. So God, Because God says to Adam and Eve, when you eat of this tree, if you eat of this tree, you're going to surely die. So you, if part of the fall is they lost life. So those are the three things I want us to really push in on that, the, that we were originally created to have these things with God through the fall. Everybody, when I say the fall, you understand what I'm talking about, right? That's where Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. Everybody calls it an apple. I think it was a tomato, but <laughs> huh? It was red. <laughs> we, we know it was a fruit. I say it was a tomato because it used, tomatoes used to grow on trees and now they got cursed them and they grow on vines and they taste bad. So, <laughs> fruit, fruit, there we go. If y'all stick around me, I'll teach y'all all kinds of good theology. 
<laughs> so anyway, this, this thing that God said, I'm going to create you all in my image. So God's image is God is a ruler. He has authority. He has a power. So it just stands as fact that if I'm going to be a created in the image of God, that he's going to give me authority and power to rule. And that's, that's one of the things that was lost along with life and relationship. So bottom line is this. We lost who we were created to be. That's what happened at the fall. We lost who we were created to be. In other words, we lost our identity. Okay? That's important. I want you to pay attention to this. We lost our identity. Now, Jesus in the scriptures in the chapter of Luke, we're going to look at this, Luke chapter 6, he, he teaches on this idea of identity in, in an interesting passage. So let's, let's look at this. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. Jesus says this, count on this. No good tree bears bad fruit. No bad tree bears good fruit. You can know a tree by it, the fruit it bears. You don't find figs on a thorn bush, and you, can, you can't pick grapes from a briar bush. It's the same with people. A, this is a person full of goodness in his heart produces what? Good things. So the, the, being able to, the, the point Jesus is saying is, to be able to produce good things has to come from a good heart. Okay? You with me? So they produce good things. So no one does that with, without having this, this good heart. So then he says this, a person full of goodness in his heart produces good things. A person with an evil reservoir in his heart pours out evil things. The heart overflows and the words a person speaks your words boy this is always this is this is this is a hard passage here your words <laughs> reveal what's within your heart boy we could capitalize on that our words what comes out what comes out when you're when you're caught in surprise what comes out of you when something happens those are revealing what's really in here is what Jesus is saying so Jesus is saying this, that being a good tree and producing good fruit, then it's a product of a good treasure that's in your heart. In other words, to do good must come from being good. You with me? That's what Jesus is teaching here. This, this whole idea of, of who we are and what's in us. So in other words, our identity is then based on knowing and having a confidence in who or who Jesus has made us to be so that we can have good treasures, also known as a good heart. So our identity in Christ now comes from what's within us. This is all going to make, hopefully, sense at the end of this. I'm, I'm going to be tying a bunch of stuff together. To, to get this message of identity, we need to reconsider our whole understanding of, of what we were saved from and how we were saved. Most people, when we think of being saved, we think of, of being saved from our... Sins. Sins. Sins are what? An act of sinning. You with me? Most people, when we think of salvation, that we were saved from our sins, that the things are when we were forgiven from our sins, our acts of sin. But often we, we have little or a little unclear of exactly what the real problem with sin is. And what I, I, I'm going to try and clear all this up tonight. The problem with sin wasn't our sins. It wasn't the acts that we committed. The problem with sin is it was something that was within us. 
Okay, so salvation, Jesus coming, has to deal with that, has to get to the core of what the matter is, of what the, the issue is. So let's go back again to the beginning. Genesis 1, 26, God says, let us make man in our image, after our own likeness, and let him have dominion. So I'm not going to read all that again. So first of all, man was made in the image and likeness of God. You with me? This I'm hoping I don't get too technical, but y'all need to follow this. This is going to be important. We were made in the image and likeness of God's. What does it mean to be made in the image of something? In other words, if I, gave, if I showed you a picture of one of my kids, you would look at that picture and you would say, what? That's who? Let's say it was a picture of Robbie. You'd look at that picture and you go, this, that's, that stands for, that's an image of Robbie, right? So that image stands for that person, that's who you would be thinking about. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go look at that picture and go, well, that's a nice collection of dots and colors and, and you know, it's on paper. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's an image stands for something. So if we're made in the image of God, what does that mean? That means that we were supposedly made so when people, when, the, when somebody looked at us, they would see God. You with me? So if we were originally made that way, for, then, then for people to look at us, they, were, they would see that's, that's the image that I want us to see. So in other words, we were originally, our original design was to be a picture or an image of God. You tracking with me? They're saying, why am I, what, what's all this mean? Hang on, we're going to get there. Secondly, we can see that humanity was given dominion and rulership over the earth. Now, of course, that... It, it makes sense that if God created us in his image, that we would be given rulership, right? If I'm created in the image of God, who is God, who is the ruler, and I'm made in his image, it makes sense that I'm going to have authority and I'm going to have power. And again, we're, we're looking at all this to understand that the enemy comes along and does something. Let's go back to Genesis 3 and see what happens. Genesis 3, the serpent said to the woman... You will not surely die. God had told him what? If you eat of this tree, you will die. The enemy comes along and he does what? He lies. He comes along and he starts throwing doubt. Surely you won't die. You, for God knows that when you eat of this fruit or eat of this tree, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, the enemy's lie is simple. That he's saying this that that God basically God what at, what the enemy is saying to Eve is God's holding out on you. You with me? Satan's saying to Eve, if you eat of this tree, you'll be like God. God's holding back from you. He's he's he's, he's holding that back, and so the, the enemy's coming along and tempting. And so he's saying, first of all, that God's holding out on you, and then he's saying that 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 you're not like God. So he's the enemy's going after what her identity. You with me? The enemy is attacking Eve's identity. He's telling her, if you eat of this, you'll be like God. Well, guess what? She already was like God. God had created her in his image. She was like God, but the Satan's coming along and saying, did God really say this? And surely you're not going to die because if you eat of this, you'll be like God when she already in fact is created in the image of God. 
Again, this is the, one of the major tactics of the enemy down through history is to come after who we are. He wants to attack our identity. That's one of his ways of attacking. And, and he came after Eve with that way. Remember, he came to Jesus in the garden with the same, basically, the, the same type of lie. The enemy comes to Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, <laughs> you'll be able to do so and so. If you're the son of God, you can throw yourself off this mountain. If you were the son of God, you could turn this rock into bread. And so he's questioning Jesus' what? identity on who he is that's that's just that's one of the tactics or one of the tricks of the enemy as he does the same thing with us he comes after us and he attacks our our identity and who we are the problem is is adam and eve or eve at this point buys into the lie of this identity question she falls for it she buys into it she begins to think from a point from a place of lack instead of from a place of who she is you follow me her thought, her process, her mind starts changing gears. She, if she just stopped right there and said, no, I already am in the image of God, there wouldn't have been a fall. But she, her mind started shifting and started thinking, well, maybe, you know, maybe God is holding out on me. And she begins to believe this lie. So this is what it says, Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was the delight to her eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and also gave it to her husband who was standing right there with her, and he ate. In other words, what I want you to get from this is Eve's sin, what she does in taking this fruit is profoundly symbolic. Okay, she, Her fall, her sin, is she literally takes this, this fruit and she eats it, and so it, 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 it goes inside of her. So something begins to shift on the inside of her. Her taking that, that fruit is very symbolic because it, because it came. One of the symbolisms is this. The, tree, the fruit came off of a what? Tree. And when she took that fruit, they lost life. What did Jesus die on? <laughs> the tree. To give us back life. One of the symbolisms is there. Her taking this fruit and eating it goes within her. And that's one of the things that, that, that we, I want us to recognize, that sin, this, it, it, that sin becomes something that is in us when Adam and Eve take this fall or make this fall. It isn't just, her sin isn't just something she's done, but it's something that she becomes because it enters into her. You follow me? So at the fall, all of a sudden now Adam and Eve have taken this thing inside of them, and now they have received a what? A sin nature. That, that's who they are. That's who they become. So it becomes something that is within them. And what I want us to look at as we're, as we're digging into this, again, kind of hopefully you can follow with me. The real problem for humanity is not that we have committed sinful acts, it's that our very being has become sinful. Let me try that again. Our real problem that we have, and what, again, what Jesus, remember, all this is being focused on, Jesus is coming to seek and to save that which was lost, okay? That's, that's what all this is going to come back to. But what happened was, is it wasn't just this act, but it was something, it became who we are. It entered into her. In other words, the sinful, the, you ought to write this down or take a picture of it. The sinful actions are the symptom of the real problem. 
Say that again. The sinful actions, the act of sin, are there, even with us, our sinful actions are not, are, are, they're the symptom of, what, of a real problem that was in us. The real problem is who I am. If that is the real problem, that's who I am, then the gospel will address the real problem. Are y'all following me? I hope you're following me because this is, this is going to all come together at some point in time here. So a couple of hours from now, we'll, we'll make a point. <laughs> this is why, listen to this, this is why our identity flows directly from the gospel. If the real problem is, is in our identity, then dealing with our identity is the only solution. And I, I, you got to get this because so much, I'm telling you, so much of Christianity doesn't understand this. So, so much of Christianity is we just deal with these, with these acts of sin and we don't ever deal with the root of sin. And that's something that Jesus came to deal with. That's, that's the gospel. He comes, he comes to take care of what the real problem is. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. The truth is, now this will sound almost, uh, almost heretical, but it's not. Trust me. The truth is that Jesus did not actually have to die just or only to forgive our sins. Try it again. Jesus did not have to die on the cross just to forgive our sins. How do I know that? Well, there was already a system set up to deal with sins. Wasn't there? The old covenant. How did they deal with sins in the old covenant? They sacrificed. There was a shedding of the blood. There was, there was, there was already in, when Jesus came to the planet... There was already a, a, uh, a covenant. There was already a, what's the word I'm looking for? There was already a way, let's just put it that way, to deal with the actual sins that people were committing. They were, had their sins forgiven by the shedding of blood. They killed what? Goats and bulls, all the regularly to, in order to have their sins forgiven. You with me? So even under, before Jesus ever came to die, was, were people able to have their sins forgiven? Absolutely. So Jesus' only purpose in dying or shedding of his blood wasn't just to get our acts of sin forgiven, our sins forgiven. He came to get to the root of why we sinned. Pay attention. You with me? Jesus' death came to deal with the problem that causes us to sin, not just the symptom of that problem. The symptom of the sin is sinning. But there's something that caused us to sin, and Jesus came to deal with that. In other words, under the law, the blood of animals took care of the sin. fact is, if Jesus... <laughs> Putty makes this statement. It always just kind of gets me. If Jesus came only to forgive us of our acts of sin, then the only, the, then reality who he saved were the animals. Does that make sense? I mean, if, if the only thing that Jesus doesn't sound right to say, obviously it's a very big deal that our sins are forgiven, okay? But if the only thing that happened in the death of Jesus and the shedding of his blood was that our sins are forgiven, the only thing that was really saved were the animals because there was already a process to have our sins forgiven. You with me? You tracking? All right. <laughs> See, here's the point. Animal sacrifices can't change who we are. So the fact that they needed to continually do that 
points toward the real problem, and that's the sin nature that's in mankind. Say it again. Animal sacrifices were not able to change who we are. They were able to forgive the shedding of blood, was able to wipe the sin away, but it wasn't able to deal with the core problem, the core issue, and that was the sin nature. Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews chapter 10. For since the law has but, is but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of the realities, it can never, what can never? The law, it, the old covenant can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. You with me? Animal sacrifices, the shedding of blood, could not make perfect. every. It, why? Because they had to do it every year. It wasn't just the shedding of blood of animals wasn't enough to make people perfect. Otherwise... <laughs> They would have been as ceased, this is what the writer of Hebrews said, otherwise would they have not ceased from being offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away our sins. The blood of bulls and goats could do what? Cover them, forgive them, but couldn't take them away. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. What I want you to get out of all this is the blood of Jesus was so much more than the blood of the bulls and goats. He did so much more than just come to forgive us of our sins. That's that's what we that's what I for 20 years of my life as a Christian, that's all I heard about was that Jesus' blood forgave me of my sins. I never heard about that he dealt with the problem. Blood of blood, blood of bulls and goats cannot take away our sin. In other words, the point of the law was to reveal the heart of men. That is why salvation can never be by works. The law wasn't ever intended for salvation. It was meant to show man who he is. The point of the law was to show man that we couldn't do it. That's the whole point of the law. The law was meant to function as a mirror. In fact, as you remember Paul making a statement, the law was meant to function as a mirror, not a washcloth. <laughs> a mirror is good at showing us what's on our face, but you, can't, you don't want to use it to clean up your face. The law by themselves, they do not empower us to meet God's standard of holiness. They just show us that we couldn't do it. That's the whole point of the law in the Old Testament is to show mankind, you cannot live up to this standard of holiness. You can't do it. It was to point that out to mankind. That's what the purpose of the law was. So what's the real problem? If the real problem is a problem of identity, how does the gospel address that? Paul makes this statement in Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, that's who? Who's been baptized into Christ Jesus? Usans. Everybody say us. We've been baptized. We're baptized into his death. Now look what he says. This is Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit, saying this. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now look what he says. 
For we have been what? United with him. This is what Paul's were saying here. We were united, this is important, united with Christ in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self, everybody say old self. Our old self is what? But what, what is the old self? It was our sin nature. That's who we were before Jesus. That's the old self. We know that our old self was crucified. What's crucified mean? Killed. <laughs> Dead. The old self was killed, was crucified. When? With him in order that the body of sin, that's the sin nature, might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Under Christ, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, he came to seek and save what was lost under him. And through his blood, that old sin nature was dealt with, and we have died to that in order to be freed from sin. We're no longer enslaved to sin. We can't use that as an excuse anymore. <laughs> I'm not bound to it. I'm not enslaved in it. I've been set free. I've been resurrected in order that it will be brought to nothing. For one, look what it says. Here's why. For somebody that has been died, who has died, has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. <laughs> In this passage, Paul describes how the death and resurrection of Jesus are applied to us. Now, now listen to this. Nowhere in that passage of Scripture do you, and this is what, this is what I was taught. Most of y'all, I guarantee, were taught the same thing. Nowhere in that passage of Scripture does Paul use this, this, this idea of substitutionary language. He doesn't use words that are substitution, like, like this was substituted for us. Most, listen to this. Most Christians are trying to live their life according to the principle that Jesus died for us so we should live for him. Agree? How many times have you heard that? Like 10,000? Jesus, I mean, it sounds good, doesn't it? Jesus died for me, so I should live for him. Well, the problem is that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> that sounds good, but living for God, this is living for God was, was the, actually the subject, subject of the Old Testament. Jesus empowers us to go beyond the Old Testament and the New. Paul uses, listen to this, and said a sub, you understand what I'm saying when I'm saying substitute, sub, what am I saying? Substitute, <laughs> substitutionary, there we go, substitutionary language. I'm saying something, are y'all listening? <laughs> Paul's not using that, but he's using this. He's using a language of union. He says this. Now let's go back. Remember Romans we just read. He says this that we died with him. See the difference? He's not. He didn't die for us, but we died with him. That's a, that's a language of union, not a language of substitution. You got to get this. Jesus didn't just die for us, but we, when he died, we died. When he was resurrected, 
we were resurrected. When he ascended into heaven, we ascended into heaven. That's all union language, not substitution. Paul never says that he did it for us, but he, we did it with him. We were united with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Paul uses that language over and over and over again. Here's some more examples. Galatians 2.21 says this. I have, Paul said, I have been what? What's crucified mean? Killed. Killed. <laughs> Died. Dead. I, I have been killed. I've died with Jesus. It, man, it is no longer, Paul's saying what? I died with Jesus, so it's what? No longer me, no longer I who lives, but who? Christ who lives where? In me. You getting that? It's, it's, not, it's not me anymore. It's Jesus living in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 3 says this, set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are earth. Why? For you have died. Died is what tense? Past. <laughs> you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. This is a this is basically like a paradigm shift to what the gospel. It means that the way the the way that Jesus dealt with the identity problem, the way it is solved is this: that the old us is killed, and a new life is born again. That's how Jesus dealt with the identity problem. Adam and Eve gave it up. Jesus came to get it back. The way he got it back is we died with him and were resurrected with him. He killed the old guy on the cross. It, it's, that's the, the old us is dead. It's been born again. When Jesus died, he brought the old us with him to the cross. And when he was resurrected, we were born to new life. Look at this. We are quite literally a different person than we were before we believed in Jesus. Let that sink in. You and I, at before we believed in Jesus, we are a different person after trusting and giving our life to Jesus than we were before. Just a total different person. It's not just he dealt with the problem that I screwed up and messed up and I made this sin and I committed this sin. He didn't just come and take care of that and cover it with the blood. No, he came and he he, he dealt with this old self, this old nature that caused me to sin, that, that my sin came from was that old me that was in there. Jesus came and dealt with that on the cross. Why? Because that guy died with Jesus on the cross, and I now have a new life, a resurrection life, and the resurrection of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, what's it mean to be in Christ? Saved, born again. If I'm in Jesus, he is a new, everybody say new. new. If I'm in Jesus, I am a new. New, <laughs> new, 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 new. We got to get that in our being, in our thinking, in our way we think of life, and the way we walk through this life. And what we do, I am now a new 
creation or a new creature. The old has passed away and the new has come. The message of the gospel is this, that we were made new. You got it? We were made new. When you gave your life to Jesus, he dealt with the old guy. He, and not just dealt with it, he, he killed it. <laughs> he killed it. He crucified it. It's dead. And now we have a new, we're, we, we became new. We're a new creation. That's the message of the gospel. We are now a new person. And that new person is no way what we were before. <laughs> the person that we are now has been restored back. This says, the person you become in Jesus has now been restored back into the image of God. That's what you got with salvation. It wasn't just your sins forgiven. As good as that is, thank God my sins are forgiven. But guess now I'm a new creation. And Jesus, I'm a new person. Jesus came to get that back for us, to be made back into the image of God. So now when people look at me, they can see Jesus. I don't have to sin anymore. I don't have to, I'm not, no longer am I in slavery and bondage to that old sin nature. That's, that's what all this means. It means I, I'm no longer, and some of the, some of the language we used to do, it's like, it's used, it's like, I say, I'm, I'm no longer the dirt under the toenail of whoever. <laughs> I'm no longer, I mean, some of these are old hymns that we sing. I'm, it's no, I'm no longer this wretched man. Hello? According to what Paul just said, I'm a what? I'm a new man. I'm a new creation. I'm no longer that guy anymore. He's dead. I'm resurrected with Jesus. I have life in Jesus. I'm crucified, raised again, and according to Ephesians, seated with him in the heavenlies. <laughs> you think we can win some battles when we understand that? You think I can walk in victory over the attacks of the enemy when I begin to understand? No, 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 no. I don't, I'm not believing your lies anymore. I'm not, I'm not buying into this doubt anymore that this is who I am. I'm not just some sinner saved by grace anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. You see the difference? I mean, it's, it, it, I'm not just some, I, I'm no longer just this sinner Waiting to sin. Hello? You get it? Now listen, do I still sin every now and then? Why are you laughing, Rock? <laughs> Am I still going to sin occasionally? Do I have to? No. Do I, am I a, here's the difference. I am, no, I am a person who sins occasionally. I'm no longer a sinner. You get that? You get the distinction? I'm no longer this old guy that has no other choice but just to keep sinning because that old dude's in me and he just keeps... In fact, we used to get taught, you know, if you feed that old guy, he's the one that's going, he's the one that's going to rise up and he's going to take control. And he, No, there ain't an old guy to feed anymore. It's the new man. Feed him. <laughs> I'm now resurrected with Jesus. Amen, amen. Somebody say Amen. We just finished singing this song. I'm going to read the words to you. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance 
from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I am no longer, is this true? Are we just singing words? <laughs> I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Amen. From my mother's womb, <laughs> you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Your, your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. I am surrounded by songs of deliverance. We have been liberated from our bondage. Not just liberated, but killed. <laughs> Crucified. It's dead. We're liberated. We are the sons and daughters. Let us sing our freedom. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me. And I can stand and sing, I am a child of God. Yes, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. How do we do warfare? <laughs> know who you are. Does that make a difference? When the enemy comes and wants to throw something at you and tempt you and say, man, you know, if you just did this, look what you would get this. That's what he told Eve. You know, man, when you eat that fruit, you're going you're gonna to be like God. <laughs> and she didn't even know she already was. I am a child of God. It's just let that sink in. Let that, let that get in here. Let let get in here. I, I'm, I'm no longer the guy that I used to be. <laughs> I'm a new creation in Christ. He's in me. Jesus lives in me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a born again. And to, when you're born again, you're born into life, not death. We have life. See, it's, it, thank God. Please never misunderstand. I'm not in any way diminishing the death of Christ on the cross. Thank God for his blood that was shed for us to do what he did, to accomplish, to, to accomplish all we just talked about tonight. But he didn't stay in the grave. <laughs> it, 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 Paul talks about if you want to get saved, you got to believe that not just in the death and burial, but in the resurrection. It's the resurrection. What, what comes from the resurrection? Life. Right? If all, if all I think about is death and think about my sin problem and all these things, I got, a, I got this sin thing going on, and all I concentrate on is, God, I can't do this, and please you know, stop doing that, and, and man, I need to, I got to quit doing this. And, and if, if all I ever focus on is all these things in life that are sin, guess what I'm going to keep doing? I'm going to keep falling into them. Focus on what? Him. Focus on life. Focus on who you are in Jesus. I, I don't need that stuff. Why? Because I have life in Jesus. Satan's lie is if you do this, you'll get this. <laughs> Isn't it? That's always his temptation. If you'll, just, if you'll just do this thing, you'll get this thing. 
No, I don't need to get that thing because you know what? I'm all, I've already got what I need. I'm a child of God. <laughs> Amen? Amen. I mean, what, the, what the heck do I need that? I'm, you forget who you're talking to. I'm a child of God. <laughs> Leave. Go away. Go pester somebody else. I'm, I, I belong to Jesus. I'm his. My identity, you know what my identity is? I belong to Jesus. I'm his child. His child. I belong to him. Amen? Amen. Him. <laughs> I don't have to put up with the lies of the enemy. I don't have to buy into his garbage. He's a liar. If he tells you you'll get this, guess what? You ain't going to get it. That's good English, right? You ain't going to get it. <laughs> That'll be a good sermon. You ain't going to get it. <laughs> Amen? Amen? I am a child of God. Let's begin to recognize and learn and think about this is, this is who I am. This is, this, is, this, is, this is my inner being, my core, my, my who I am. This is who I am. I'm not some God that wants to sin. <laughs> I'm not some guy that wants to go do that. Why? Because I'm a child of God. I belong to Jesus. I'm already seated in the heavenlies. That ought to be good enough. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus, y'all said. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you that for all that you did for us on the cross, Lord. Thank you for all that you accomplished, Lord. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you that you not only you not only dealt with our sin, but you took care of our sin nature. We are no longer sinners. We are your children, Lord. Our identity is we belong to you. You gave us, and there's now a, we are now, according to your word, a new creation. We've been crucified. We were killed with Christ. We were crucified with Him. It's no longer I that lives, but you live in me. That's the new life that we have. So we thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that work you accomplished in us. Father, help us to, to know this. Lord, help us not to just have a theology for it, but help us to walk in the truth of who we are. Lord Jesus, you came to give that back to us. You created us in the image of God originally, and you came to give it back to us. Lord, we are now in your image. We have the image of God living in us. And we thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org.